Well, I, as soon as I heard that Rich Perales would be coming to West Coast Chapel, I was extremely excited, happy to um, provide the opportunity. He's been my pin pal for a long time, and we never actually met until this morning. So, and it was a great meeting. And I'm starting to think that when we were singing together in worship, we sound kind of good together. So, yeah, that's, well, speak for yourself. But, <laughs> darn it, it is a pleasure to serve Rich. He is pastor of Siouxland Community Bible Church in South Sioux City, Nebraska, He's married to his wife, Joan, five lovely daughters. Um, if you read any of the emails, we've said that his emails read like epistles um, through all that's been taking place in his daughter's life. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, he's been keeping us. And I don't even know how you do it to write it, to be honest with you, but um, God bless you for it because it's amazingly encouraging to us. So Rich is going to preach to us this morning, and he's going to just give a little bit of insight of what's happening there. So let's welcome him, please. Well, beloved, I just want to um, thank you, and and, um, the Lord has used just your prayers and love and graciousness, and every good gift is from above, and and we are so grateful for the the fellowship that we share, and and, um, I so much appreciate uh, some of the things, and uh, I was going to say this, but... I have seen a, a, a good um, evolution at the church here, and uh, and and what is what is neat to me is that you guys have a catechism and something very similar that we do at, at our church, and then uh, it was just uh, a joy to my ears when I heard a pastor um, explaining the gospel, and you may not get it, but he explained it in such a way that that. Uh, that there's an understanding that salvation is all of the Lord and from beginning to end. And uh, that's the doctrines of grace and, and, and the God-centered gospel that, you know, God gets all the glory and, uh, for, for, for our, our, our redemption. And so uh, I just wanted to encourage you that, that those are some of the things that I have noticed that has been, that is, that is, has changed in the evolution of the church over here over over the years, and I think that's that's neat. That, that's 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 neat. The, the, the Lord is the Lord is good, and uh, and He has a way of bringing the the most um, glory to Himself. You know, I I want to go through the the Gospel of John here a little bit, but before I do, let me open us up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time and privilege of, of coming to you. We know that all things are by you and for you and for your glory. And Lord, we, we ask that, um, that our hearts would be open wide right now because you, you alone are the most important person in this room. And Lord, we have come to worship you in our singing. We have come to worship you in our giving. We have come to worship you in a way that we want to be hearers and doers to your word. We want to bring glory to you. And may you see a people that are broken and contrite and are grateful because of our redemption in you, O God. Come. Come, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
It's not a charismatic experience we want. We know that Your Word is a lamp unto our feet. And we know that You are a God that is omnipresent. And we want You, O God. Come. Come and lead Your people. Make manifest what your preacher ought to speak. Let it be seasoned with grace. Maybe buy back the time and redeem it for you for the days in which we live and are evil. Come. Come be magnified and glorified as we exalt your name and consider your call. You are the Savior of the world. Glory to you in the highest. To this end we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to look at John chapter 4, verses 27 and following, but before we get there, I I think I need to set the stage a little bit. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and and Nicodemus is a a devout Jew, and he's telling him that he must be, what, born again. And there he's teaching that salvation is, is all of the Lord. And then he goes and he begins to teach what does he mean by God so loved the world. And the very next place he goes to is the land of Samaria. And the land that he goes to is a land that, that is, well, to the devout Jew is a kind of a disgusting land. Because Samaritans live there. And the Samaritans are, are half-breeds. And it goes all the way back to the, to the Babylonian captivity and uh, the intermarrying. And though the Samaritans took upon the God of Israel, they had their own quirks where they only really believed in the Pentateuch. And, and they kind of, well, they just didn't really get with the program. There's always this animosity between them. In fact, uh, the rabbis of the day, they, they, would, uh, they would write literature and remind the people that rabbis of the day would say the, the, the Jewish woman from the cradle to death was ceremonial unclean. They wouldn't even view a woman worthy enough to teach the Torah. It's like sending their, the children into prostitution. They were that blunt. There was this, this animosity going on. They, they, they kind of viewed the Samaritans, you know, part of the reason why we got it so bad, maybe because of you. And then Jesus goes to this land and he meets this woman at noon who's an outcast. She's an outcast by the Jews. And then she's also an outcast by her own people. She's going in the the middle of the day by herself when nobody draws water at that time. And and the reason why is because, as we know, this woman had a whole lot of men in her life. She was a wicked woman. Even for the Samaritans, a, a, a woman that is a little, well, friendly, Right? was even scorned. She's an outcast by the Jews. She's an outcast by her own people. And she is a wicked woman. Jesus confronts her. Offers her living water. He gives her the offer of salvation. And and, uh, He tells her to go get her husband. She doesn't have... He's confronting her 
with her sins so that she may understand her need for redemption, the need for the Messiah. And Jesus does a beautiful thing. He reveals himself, I am he. Ego I, I, I am, I, I am, I am God, I am God incarnate, I, I am the, the promised Messiah, I am the one you've been dreaming about, I am the one that will redeem you. He reveals himself to her, and then we'll pick it up here, and the woman now is going to leave his presence, I believe, a believer. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town, and they were coming to him. The woman is leaving a believer, and yet the disciples failed to see her one as worthy as a believer. They were astonished that Jesus was talking to this Samaritan woman, but, but yet they failed to see that Jesus truly is the Savior of the world. They didn't see this woman as a priority in need of the good news. They needed to understand the Jews first, but also to the Gentiles. In our text, Jesus is defining what, what is the Savior of the world. He, he goes the very next day, and in fact, the, the, the Samaritans themselves declare, truly this is what? The Savior of the world. He came to redeem all kinds of people. He came to redeem the lost. And, and, uh, and so here it is that the disciples, they, they fail to see one as, as a... As, worthy of this salvation. And, and probably some of this is because of their biases and, and prejudices has come in as a Jew. We get it. I get it. Sometimes we have different biases and it's not even against different people groups and sometimes our biases are economic. Sometimes they're they're, they're, they're racial, and in fact, at our church one time, I, I sat next to share the gospel with a guy from the Aryan race. I'm brown. The guy was huge. But Jesus came to save all kinds of sinners. And then sometimes one day I I go back because even my own biases and prejudices, sometimes I realize, you know, the hardest people that that I've prayed for, sometimes it was my own brother. Because of the hardships and the things that have happened through alcoholism and different things that have happened. And sometimes you view people and and, and in your back of your mind you say, you know, that uh, Jesus came to save all kinds of sinners, but in the back of your mind, your, your biases and your prejudice, they blind you to the fact that the people around you, that these are the type of people that Jesus died for. He came to save all kinds of sinners. How many times have we done this? And, and so the, the, the disciples are there, and they're going, you know, why are they talking with her? 
you know, this is a woman. Why are you even wasting your time? And, and this is a Samaritan. How, how gross is that? You know, as the commentator D.A. Carson says, their unvoiced surprise that he was talking with a Samaritan woman reflects the prejudices of the day. Some, though by no means all, the Jews held that for a rabbi to talk with such a woman, even his own wife, was at best a waste of time. At worst, again, it is like the study of the Torah would be like selling them into prostitution. They failed to see that this woman was worthy of the gospel, of the mission of Christ, that he came to save wicked people, that he came to save sinners. And this woman gives evidence that she's saved by telling others that Jesus is the promised Messiah. I believe she was born from above. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what that you said we believe, for we have heard from ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. This is how Jesus defines what it means to be the, the Savior of the world. He, the, the, the text itself is reading that the Samaritan says, you know, he saved me. A Samaritan. They failed to see that, but this woman is, is beginning to show forth that evidence in, in a way that, that should have put the disciples to shame. But they understood. They just lost sight. They, they, they allowed other things. It was their prejudices and bias, and soon in the text we'll see it is because they were so focused upon the physical needs. But there was a time, remember in, in John chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, and uh, when Jesus is calling some of the disciples, and it says, one of the two who heard John speak followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to them, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. What is the first thing Andrew did? My brother needs to see Jesus. John Calvin said, This is the nature of faith. And when we have become partakers of eternal life, we wish to bring others to share with us. Glory to God. She told others about Christ. And again, the disciples overlook the outcast. And, and again, sometimes it is out of malice we fail to see them. And sometimes it's just out of indifference that we fail to see them. We are challenged even by this woman. When is the last time that uh, 
we have openly uh, talked about the Lord and, and, and are excited about what Jesus has done for us. And, and sometimes we, we don't do it because of, well, sometimes it's just two reasons. Simply it's because we have failed to see the heinousness of sin in our own lives that while I was dead in the trespasses of my sin, I, I was at enmity with God. I, there was nothing within me. I, I'm just full of vile and deceit. And yet... He loved me, and yet he sought me. He changed me. He turned my heart of stone into a, a heart of clay. He, he written his law upon my heart. My sins are wiped away as far as the, the east is to the west. And he whispered in my ear, I am your God and you are my people forever. And I become like the sinful woman who has been forgiven much and I find myself weeping at my Savior's feet, washing his feet with my hair. And I want to tell others. The heart of the gospel sometimes is, is understanding and looking at that social outcast and, and understanding I want you to be in glory with him. He is our all in all. Sometimes we don't share about the gospel because we don't see the, the, the magnitude of our redemption in Christ. And there isn't that love. There isn't that thankfulness. And we don't see that urgency. The other times, a reason why we sometimes we don't have that desire and that fill is because we are like the disciples, so focused on the present physical needs that we fail to see the priority of doing God's will. You know, back in verse 31, the Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. It was a long day. Jesus probably hadn't eaten and his stomach probably was growling. But he took that time to, to teach them there's something that consumes me that's more important. They fail to see God's party that Jesus is to be the Savior of the world, the, the, the Savior of all kinds of people. Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open a seal, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed a people from for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. The Savior of the world. You know, sometimes we, we talk about it, but we're not consumed about with it. And sometimes we're not consumed with it because we're only focusing our, 
or just like the disciples, they were, they were blinded by focusing on the needs before them. Rabbi, eat. You know, beloved, sometimes I, I get so convicted because it, it can happen. You know, May 9th, my, my daughter had a, a massive stroke that, uh, that changed our, her world forever. As, as you know, that uh, we had, she has a, a rare heart condition, and, and it's a disease that is incurable. And, uh, and she is basically paralyzed on, on one side of her body. Speech is, is very difficult for her, and it's so easy even for us to only focus on the physical needs. Lord, we, we want you to provide and, uh, and help us to build onto our house so we can, we can take care of her and then we can have more people and, and minister. And, and, but yet, we could so easily be focused on the needs. Lord, how are you going to provide? How are you going to do this? That we fail to see what is, should be the, the consuming fire of our lives. And that is doing the will of God, which is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And it is so easy. You can go in. I can be a preacher. I can preach on the gospel of John, which I've been preaching on. It's going to take me years to get through it. And I could be saying I'm preaching an evangelical message, a a gospel preaching message. I am doing the work, but I am not. I had to realize I needed still to understand my heart and desire is to be consumed by the will of God, that the spiritual is more important than the physical. And so I started preaching at the gospel mission twice a month. We already go to the nursing home twice a month to people that are forgotten and uh, and every other Sunday that they're not there, we, we have a carload that goes to the mission, a carload that goes to the nursing home, and they, and they bring him to church. And, and so our church may never grow in, in, well, church growth ways or financial ways, or, or they may never even serve in, in, a, in a capacity at the church. But you know what? It, it is the heartbeat of God. We need to be people that are consumed with the will of God and not even focusing on just the spiritual. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. They failed to see and understand the heart and priority of God and they just missed the blessing that was before them. God before the disciples were showing them what it means to be the Savior of the world. Going out of their own little box to a people that they despised. And He's showing them, I only came to save wicked people, silly. I came to save sinners. This is my food. This is what I do. Jesus pointed out that spiritual food is is doing the will of the Father, and that is more important. 
I have food you don't know about. And they were so focused at the task at hand that they failed to understand what Jesus was doing. They're thinking, what, Jesus already ate? Somebody already brought him food? And, and they're still thinking that way. And Jesus is going, silly. You know, this is a reality. And this is what, what characterizes all believers of God. Even my daughter Elizabeth, who, whose body is broken. One day I had to remind her, we were going to the nursing home. And it is easier for my daughter to sing than it is to speak. And I told her, we're going to the nursing home, and we're singing. And I said, would you like to come? And at first, she didn't want to come, because she didn't want anybody to see her like this. And even I had to remind my daughter, your calling in life is to glorify God, and it isn't about you, honey. Even you have to be consumed with the will of God. And she sang for the glory of God. And her heart was eased. Her burden lifted. That sorrow gone. The spiritual is more important than the physical. Even for my daughter. That's the call of the Christian life for us all. We're all walking in. We, we, we all need to be reminded of it. We all, we all need to understand and be like our Lord who is focused on obedience and fulfilling the, the spiritual ministry that the Father has ordained and He becomes consumed by it. Remember what He said to the devil, man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. The Father's will is for Christ to be the, the Savior of the world and spiritual food is, is doing the will of God. My food is to do the will of Him who sent me to accomplish His work. And so in a very real sense, that is the call of the believer. That is the call of, that Christ is coming to us. What, what are we consumed with? What, 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 what is our, our passion in life? How, how are we dealing with these things that are happening before us? I, I want you to think of, of you being married for the first time or, or meeting that bride or, or that special woman or that woman meeting that special guy. What, what is it? When you think about them at that beginning, you're always having all these lofty ideas and I wonder how they're doing and I'm thinking about them and, and I, I find myself and, and I, I still do it to this day of, of just trying to serve my wife and I, I think about her. Why? Because I love her. My, my, my heart is, is consumed with a, with a passion for her. And then I wonder, is my heart that way with my God? The new covenant brings me in a relationship with Him. 
The book of Hosea teaches us a spiritual truth about sin. And the book of Hosea really defines sin as spiritual adultery. It's personal. Have I viewed that with my God? It's personal. Am I consumed with it? You know, even I realize that the physical can, can, can blunt us, can blind us, because we can go days and weeks and just think about our trials before us at hand. And we don't realize that we are consumed by them. And we wake up one day realizing, am I consumed with them? We find our prayers being uh, very man-centered and God-centered. We find our prayers being, you know, God, help my daughter. God, do this. God, do that. God, this, this, this. And they all could be very good things. They could be things about for people about healing their families, uh, saving marriages. They could all be very worthy things. And we don't even see them as idolatrous things. But they could, they're all consumed about me. Instead of breaking down and saying, God, what do you want? How am I consumed with your passion, your desires, your will? How am I like my Redeemer? Do I go to church on Sunday and still not be committed? That's Christianity in America. Do I sing, oh, how I love Jesus? And I've never told a soul about Christ. Don't have a passion to serve Him. To yield my will to His will. Our food is doing the will of God. And when we do that, we begin to function the way that God has created us. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to worship Him and enjoy Him forever. We're doing His will. Leon Morris says, obedience to the divine will for Him is the major concern. Single-mindedly, He presses on because He wants to finish the task. You know, when we look at this and we, we think about all that is happening, I, I want you to think about this. You know, some people say that, you, you know, um, um, your life is such a, um, an example or thing, but I just want to say I haven't done anything yet. I want to finish the race. I need to finish the race. I need to stop lingering. 
I need to be consumed with that will, and that even has to come across even to, to my daughter who cannot speak. He, she, she cannot walk straight. She, she has words that, that, that come out of her mouth that, that, that aren't right, and she, she gets frustrated because she totally understands everything around her. And even at that day, I, I am humbled in things because we have to go together that the very first song that she's saying is that God is so good. But even sometimes as a father, I have to remind her, what is your food? Who are you? You are here to serve him until he takes you home. You are here to be the light until he takes you home. No matter how you function, no matter how it goes, because that is the call of Christ. And we begin to see that there is an urgency and, and a desire. How about us? Are, are we so rigid? Are, are we focused on our task at hand? Are we focused only on the temporal needs that we forget the will of God? You know, Jesus explains more in detail the will of God, and he shows him the urgency of doing the Father's will. He says, do I not say that they yet are four months, then comes harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields that are white on to harvest. And he's, and he's using a proverb, harvest time is around April, and this woman that, that he's meeting could be around December, and there are four months uh, until the harvest. And he says, yet now the field is white on to harvest. What is he looking at most likely he's going out looking at and he's seeing the Samaritan woman bringing in the people coming to him and he's looking out and he's saying I am the savior of the world you know I just imagine him just God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son He's looking out. He's come to seek and to save that which is lost. And it's only the sinner that God has awakened, only the one that sees their, their wickedness that will come. Because that's who God came to save. That's why the Pharisees don't get it. That's why Jesus will even look him straight in the face. The healthy have no need of a physician. He came to die for the sick. He came to die for the wicked. And you see that harvest. And by God's grace, you become like Jesus, like Luke 15 searching for the lost coin, tearing apart the house. You're seeing the prodigal son. That's who he says. And it becomes your heart's desire. You know, when we look at this, we, we must see that urgency. We must understand who Jesus is. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless 
like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called called to him the twelve disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every disease and affliction. Showing forth the very heart of God. Oh, beloved, uh, missions emphasis isn't about the missionaries. It's about the work of Christ. And what missions emphasis should be is having our hearts in tune together that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And I see the lost. And I see the forgotten. And I repent of my sin, of my biases and my prejudices because I have sometime in my mind saw someone that wasn't worthy. And I become like my Redeemer with a heart to save the lost. And I begin to be consumed with his will. How about you? What is your passion? What are you consumed with? Because you know what? The only kind of Christianity I know is the same for me as it is for my daughter Elizabeth, as it is for you. May we serve him. And not forget his mission. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and privilege it is to come and to worship you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords and the great I am. And there's none like you. We stand before you humbled in your presence. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness in the times that we have allowed our prejudice and our bias or we have just simply allowed to be consumed with our own physical needs and temporal needs before us. May we hunger, and may we feed upon, and may we be satisfied as we do your will. Oh, come and taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Oh, glory to you in the highest. You are so pleasant, so beautiful. You truly are the redeemer of the world for you saved a wicked person like me. Surely you can save them. To this end we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.